Wolverine. Wolverine. Hello and welcome to the Examination Podcast. The only X-Men podcast as exciting as one of those Exodus propaganda stories you hear over an ice campfire. We've got three great issues to talk about this week, including Hellions 3, X-Men 11, and X-Factor number 2. Hosting with me is Dan Radier. Hello. And Kelsey Struts. Maybe. And Kelsey Struts. Hey, can you not hear me now? I, I, I hear you, man. I just muted you because I don't like you. Oh, fair. That's fair. <laughs> Well, uh, great show this week. I'm really excited about the issues we had. Um, and kind of uh, a good talking point to get into the news is this is the end of the Empire tie-ins, whether that's the X-Men Empire book itself or the Empire-focused issues of X-Men. And now we transition into the Ten of Swords. In the same book, it was almost a bookend and a beginning at the same time. How excited are you guys for Ten of Swords, Dane? I'm excited because I, I, I want to know where this is going. It's our first big event since, um, so, you know, since this all started. Really, I'm. I don't know though. I'm hesitant to jump all in on excitement though because, it, I don't know how the delays of COVID have affected this. This was an event that was originally supposed to be like nine comics and jumped to twenty two. I mean, that's an enormous jump for something that is supposedly completely planned out. So. I'm, I, I feel like I say this a lot, but cautiously optimistic. Kelsey, do you have the same reservations as Dane? Mm, maybe more. Ooh. I don't know. I, I'm almost apathetic with it. Like, most of the books I've been enjoying don't seem to have much of a tie-in with Ten of Swords, other than maybe Cable, but only because Cable is gloriously campy yeah the sword um, is like the least important thing about cable right now it's more just entertaining that they have it there you're just like oh cool this sword's here but other than that well, i like okay i'm not excited to see wolverine get a samurai sword because i know he's gonna get a samurai sword um well that is the sword that stops healing regeneration like it's it's part I of his history don't care maybe we'll learn about that in black white and blood Maybe the only sword I want to see show up is Excalibur. Honestly, I think Excalibur should show up and be featured. You like in the Soul Sword, Excalibur. I think Do it's what? fair to I think it's fair to say we're going to have more than one sword in Ten of Swords. I I'm hoping we have at least ten. <laughs> that would see, I think ideal. I think we're being a little harsh because my take is Hickman's done a lot of campy things. The Council of Reeds, um, the end of the universe with Secret Wars 2. He's done things that are kind of on the camp side and been able to pull them off. I mean, I'm going to read them, and if I enjoy them, I will easily say, you know, it's like, you know, I, I'll give them all the props in the world for it. Yeah, I'm excited. But, I want to be wrong. It's just the concept seems a little, I don't know, I, I've... I've trusted less and been impressed by it. So I'm willing to go along with the ride. Well, I don't, and I don't think it's or... 10 magical swords in the sense that like these swords are going to do something amazing. It's a terror. It's like, this was destined to happen. Right. Like there's, there happened to be a point where 10 important swords are going to be there with 10 people, but the swords aren't necessarily like, I don't, I don't necessarily know that they're going to be like combined to make a Megazord sword or something. <laughs> they should. 
Oh, I hope not. That's like um, yeah. here's my fear too. If you know, I don't want Nightcrawler to backtrack. You know, I don't want him picking up a sword when he's got the sweet Super Soaker now. Okay, all right, get off of this. Moving on. <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> You don't, you don't want to see him lose that character. I'll see that. That got me good. That got me good. <laughs> I just, I just uh, want the character maybe, to be ruined. Well, he could have a sword because as long as Jubilee has a better one, I think we're still in canon. That is a deep cut known only to the two people here, my father and year-long All listeners. All the listeners? Yeah, someone who listened from the beginning. You'd have to be here from, like, day one. Yeah. So, um... I. Cautiously optimistic about Tinosaurus. It's not the only X-Men property coming out soon that we're cautiously optimistic about. New Mutants. We've been talking about this movie for so long. And I, I think I'm going to take my dad to go see it at the drive-in next week. I think I'm going to do it. Cool. That sounds good. I would I would love to go see something like this at a drive-in. I think it'd be yeah. fantastic. Yeah, it's a little too scary for your kids, though. Yeah, I don't think I could get a, get away with that. Now, maybe if there was a drive-in nearby, I could like sneak out after they were asleep. That's what I did with uh, Infinity War. Yeah. No, um, I'm, I'm excited for New Mutants. I think it'll be awesome. Ileana is she's hot right now, man. So hot right now. I love that actress too. Yeah, C- couldn't ask for a better movie. So I think we'll talk more New Mutants. You'll get at least the Quentin review by next week's episode. So, and, and maybe my six-year-old father. <laughs> two takes some two hot takes we'll, we'll do a third we'll do a 60 year old a 30 year old and then we can get our friend jordan's baby to be the one-year-old so every 30 years you get a a review <laughs> love it all right let's uh hop in the issues this week we're gonna start with uh hellions number three uh i believe a pretty hot Hot take issue for Kelsey. Kelsey, what happened to Hellions number three? Well, we left off last with the Hellions, a misfit group of broken toys, um, taking on uh, Mr. Sinister's kind of, well, he thought it was kind of like dead clones or unused clones at his, what is it, Nebraska residence? I think it's in Nebraska. Anyways. Yeah. Yeah. they have taken on Lorna Dane, a Jean Grey clone who also has magic, and have realized that she has resurrected the old Marauders with magic. So she also has zombies. Zombies are a big thing with X-Men now. Um, fight I'm pretty at, sure Lorna Dane is Polaris, not... Correct. You're thinking of Madeline, Madeline Pryor. Pryor. Madeline Pryor is who I'm thinking of. Sorry, I've got so many redheads in the last couple issues. Um, anyways, uh, the fight hadn't started out well, and in this comic, things are not much different with all of the Hellions basically in one way or another distracted or incapacitated. Um, Madeline Pryor has basically been saying that her plan is to wake up all these zombies that she's had, these clones that she has here that Sinister created, and send them through the Krakoan gates to really cause trouble. To, you know, she wants to kill Cyclops and Sinister and basically anyone who's ever done her wrong because she feels quite wronged due to her situation in life. Um, Havoc, who has been magically had his mouth shut, 
decides he is going to tell her off by cutting his own mouth open, which I thought was a gruesome scene, but also quite entertaining. Uh, she still casts magic and does gross kissing faces to him and is quite insane. Um, <laughs> that was the take I was looking the, for. The, the fascinating thing in this one is as the story progresses with Psylocke dominating Wild Child and some of the mysteries of Orphan and Nanny getting revealed, uh, you start to see that the Hellions are not as inept as you might have thought from the beginning of last issue. In this one, you see the seeds of them getting ready to turn the tide in this encounter um, with, you know, some of the zombies breaking open or starting to crack open Orphan's armor and realizing apparently uh, there's acid or something inside of him that is being contained by this thing. And Nanny is basically indestructible. Um, uh, and then uh, also um, Scalp Hunter is up to something, which I believe they stopped using that name. <laughs> I believe you're correct. It's not not the uh, cultural appropriation. Yeah, but but basically it's it's a lead up to what seems to be a big breakout issue in the next one. Yeah, um, the issue didn't really accomplish a lot to me. Uh, Dane, I know you've criticized some of the humor and just a little being a little hard. Do you still have the same criticisms with issue number three? I don't have the same criticisms. I just have different criticisms. <laughs> like, I don't know what this issue was supposed to make me think or feel. It was just... Well, it made me feel creepy. I, th- yeah. I thought, actually, as far as feelings go, this felt kind of horror like yeah. a scarier kind of creepy issue. And I think it delivered on that. I mean, I felt uncomfortable, but I don't necessarily know that I understand why. And maybe that's the criticism. And I know part of this is to be completely honest, I know Havoc and Madeline Pryor both have deep uh, roots in the history of X-Men, but they're not characters that I'm particularly well-versed in. I know, like, Quentin, I know you followed a lot more of Havoc through, like, Uncanny Avengers and that yeah. storyline, and I didn't get as much into that. So I feel like some of his most recent past I don't really connect with or that I just don't have enough information to click. And so given that these are two characters deeply rooted in the X-Men that just haven't been a part of something that I've paid much attention to it just i don't know a lot pretty convoluted if you don't know what's going on i feel like i need to know more to really care or to get it and that's probably more of a criticism of me that it's not necessarily this is may not be the the storyline for me i get that you know other people i'm sure they're people who have their favorite x-men and this is a great moment but it's just it's a very weird issue yeah, I, I'll agree. I, I found like that whole relationship to be off-putting, and I, I'm not super familiar with Havoc and Madeline Pryor having any sort of uh, relationship. And it, I, this makes me miss the good old days when editors would put the part in where they're like, check out issue Uncanny X-Men yeah. Volume 4, issue 52, because there's apps now where you can go find that. And it's, it's kind of frustrating where now that I can finally go with all those back issues, I can't because they won't tell me where I can find this good Havoc story or whatever. So I found that kind of disappointing um, my, myself. Within like the last like 10 years or whatever, when they tried to get into the, all that like augmented reality, it seems like 
that would be a great usage of that in comics, right? Like check out this and then like you could just scan it and it takes you to that issue. Even if it is something like you have to use the app to buy or whatever, that seems like a great way to connect old comics. Um, Kelsey, a criticism I had with the issue that I want to get your take on is I felt like we were impasse, obviously dead. Um, we saw a little bit of scalp hunter. I forget what his real name is. Gray Crow. John Gray Crow. John Gray Crow. And then, um, the, the criticism I have though is for being a havoc and Psylocke and wild child focus issue. None of them really progressed past where they were at the end of last issue. Do you were you did the issue still entertain you enough to keep you reading, or did you feel like this was a past one that we could just jump in the issue for? Um, well, this one felt like a placeholder, um, established kind of mood of what they're going for, which is a slight uh, horror mystery kind of thing going on, or I guess, um. The Definitely dirty, horror elements. Let's, let's say the, the dirty dozen go into the nut house. Yeah, <laughs> would be would be a good way to point this. And are you guys sure that it's the lack of story resolution in this one that's bothered you, or the fact that Madeline Pryor looks like she was drawn by someone from the Witchblade comics? It's that's it too. It's a very, in some ways, outdated outfit. Yeah, like the costume. You're like, you're like wait, what? Because like, the co- the costume is from an era where we're just like, how naked can we put this woman on the cover to sell before it? Before this is pornography, to horny, yeah, to sell it to horny teenagers. Before, yeah, it's it's <laughs> pornography, and it's like I think don't don't be wrong. There's still a bit of that in comics, but I think they've done a lot better that you can still have you know sexy characters, but it doesn't have to be like the primary um, part of who that character is. I'll say. Well, the characters may not have mm, developed exactly, you know, as much as one would like. Uh, obviously, Havoc is slightly under a spell of some form. He is, he is under control. Um, what? You don't think he cut his mouth open with a piece of glass? And <laughs> Oh, no, I think he did that on his own to talk because she was doing that. But um, Psylocke and Wildchild, I'm just glad that that part is slightly over because as a team i would be tired of having wild child yeah like every time someone's weakened he's gonna try and kill them because he wants to be the alpha I'm like absolutely not i don't care how redeemable you think this team is that guy cannot be on it he is completely worthless to us i did like the memo part about psylocke where the they mentioned and it, and it made me realize how much is psylocke actually like keeping the team in line versus like She's also a part of it. Like, you know what I mean? Like, they, they mentioned that it's not actually Psylocke and that it is Kwanin and it, it, like, don't let that fool you, that element of it. But, like, I, I it made me go, like, I, I enjoy that because now there's this idea that she's just as much a part of this rehabilitation program as the rest of them in a way. Yep. I was about to say, I think the memo in this one is actually fantastic. It, it's what the memos should be with regards to this is that it's not necessary to telling the story, but it enhances the understanding and kind of like starts to make you think a little bit. And yeah, exactly. It, it points out something. It's like, Hey, be aware of this type of thing. It may come up, maybe not, but right. You can skip it and your understanding of the story is still the same, but it, it deepens your thought about it. And I think it's fantastic in the same way that I complimented the opening to Marauders a couple weeks ago where you knew that letter was from Nightcrawler before it was finished. 
this, I mean, two sentences, and I knew this was Beast writing this memo. You know what I mean? Yeah. Just the way that it's written. It's too intellectual. It's too highbrow. And you eventually get in like the third paragraph or something, some context clues, because he refers to, you know, us as the original X-Men or whatever it was. But it's immediately apparent that this is Henry McCoy writing this letter. And to me, yeah. that's really fantastic that in comics, again, you didn't have to show me a picture of him. You didn't have to do anything except write it. And you wrote it in the voice of another character. It could have been one of hundreds of X-Men, but you knew instantaneously who it was. So for me, this issue is interesting because um, the idea that Hellions number three kind of downgrade in quality felt the same way about Marauders when it came out, where it had two really strong issues and it kind of like stuttered a little for me. So I'm going to, I'm going to be forgiving with this one and I'm going to still keep it kind of in my personal top half books so far. Um, but I am cautiously unoptimistic now. <laughs> no way I'm optimistic with it. I don't. I don't see it as. I don't expect every single issue to be wham bam. I mean, explosions across the front, huge things happening every. Time. Yeah, but I don't want boobard either. Well, the boobard has been there since the end of the very first one. So that that I mean, she, she's it's been there. And I want to see more character movement, too. That was a criticism I had. Is There wasn't a lot of plot to what happened. But they're, they're trying to establish it for that in the next one. They're trying. It's almost like a transition. Like, here you go. They are stuck. This is them developing as they're stuck. And then here we go to the next one. It, it's, it's, yeah, I think you're going to get a lot more payoff in the next one because of this issue. And I can agree with that. In some ways, I think you kind of almost have to have at least two story arcs before you can judge a book. Because sometimes it's just the arc that you don't like. Like, maybe you like the theme of the book and you like the characters and the development stuff. But if you don't know anything about them outside of that one arc, if it's an arc that's not for you... Like, for me, I, I'm not super into the Sinister Clones and Madeline Pryor as the, the storyline, which means maybe this isn't for me, but who knows? You put these guys on a different adventure and maybe all of a sudden I'm like, okay, the Marauders pop to me. Or not the Marauders, the Hellions pop. Yeah, I, I, I think the book still works. I think there's something interesting about the Misfit team and that yeah. to me that's kind of fun and the additions of Psylocke and Havoc keep it X-Men enough um, for me to still be interested. So we'll see if this book continues to grow, but um, we'll, we'll give this one a pass. Like, it's still a good book. Just got to watch for the next one, see where we go. Um, next, let's jump into X-Factor number two, another book that's came here in the last few, I want to say weeks, but months, unfortunately, since the COVID thing. But So X-Factor X number two, Dane, what does this book do? Aurora returns to the land of the living while X-Factor receives a mysterious bloody package leading them to the, a report of a dead mutant in the Mojoverse. The team suits up and heads out, but Dakin can't get the upvotes to continue on. The rest push forward and confront Mojo directly. They find out that the Mojoverse is all about streaming now, with everyone participating in an effort to join the elusive Top 5 Streamers, for the money, fame, and social perks. The team moves to investigate the streamer houses, but a group gets it the idea to boost the ratings by fighting the X-Factor team. Meanwhile, Aurora is enjoying the events unfolding using the Boneyard's new Mojoverse cable package. <laughs> so we've obviously got some play on words here. 
Kelsey, did this issue uh, do it for you? Do you en- enjoy our new take on Mojo? I wouldn't consider this as new of a take on Mojo because he's always been kind of weird like that. I mean, I guess he's not the lord of the Mojoverse anymore. You know, he's he's still trying to, you know, entertain people and, and really <laughs> bring his media empire up. But I, I really enjoyed this. I thought it was kind of cool that you could say in a way it reflects today's society of TikTok and Twitter. Why, and, why are you saying that so down, like with quotes on it there? What was that about? Well, it's, I, I don't want to be that guy who's like, oh, this has great parallels with this, but it does. Anyway. Yeah, of course it does. I don't want to be too highbrow, okay? I don't want Beast writing that. <laughs> um, but yeah, I... I thought this was a really fun comic. I loved it when they decided they needed uniforms. So they all got uniforms. I love that Dakin got himself kicked out because he was taking his clothes off. And they're like, why did you even do that? I was like, because I'm going to go back to uh, the boneyard with your, with your sister. She's like, oh, that's that's great. That is great. And then the eye boy, he's got eyes everywhere. Hot take. That's the Yeah. Um, I I I like this issue. I find it moves a little to my criticism of Hellions, where nothing happened. I'll take Hellions over the speed at which this one goes. I know you guys enjoy it, but man, I have a hard time keeping up with it. I love X Factor so far. It's rushing to the top of my list. It, It it's the dialogue is quick and witty. You're right, and I can get why that may not be the thing and i'll be honest with you i had to go back and read like every now and then had to like i'd finish a page and go i don't know that i really got what happened there and have to go back and reread the page so that's a fair criticism of it but i think the dialogue is so so good like i wrote that note down twice while i was reading through it i think like kelsey mentioned the the shifting of mojo from you know, it's like hey cable tv isn't the way anymore it's all about that streaming you know what i mean the mojo versus mirroring the real world about that and that the fact that they took the opportunity that you can't like you can't get into the mojo verse unless you have the likes and them showing all of x factor's reactions and then the comments on the side that's just i always like when that kind of stuff is integrated um kieran gillen did a really great job of that with the Young Avengers run that he did. But I just love how, like, because it's just so real. Like, it's that's the the dredges of the internet, you know, the people that are commenting on that kind of stuff. Like, the Dakin ones, he's like, hey, let him whip it out. The eye boy one, somebody's just spamming the eye emoji. And, like, it's so stupid. But the Prodigy one, there's just one where the only comment somebody left is just gay. You know what I mean? It's like, that's the internet, man. Like, those are the people on the internet that, like, somehow just, just that. Like, that's like, oh, I'm I'm contributing to society. Gay. You know what I mean? Like, those are the trolls. He brings up being, and someone else responds with, actually, I think he's bisexual. Right. Like, that somebody's like, they're starting a conversation just with one. You know what I mean? Like, just the whole thing is like, that's just so real. If you so ever, authentic. If you've it ever, seems like the writer's having fun with this book, and I think there's yeah. no arguing there. Like he, he's enjoying crafting the story, and, and that's fun to see no matter what you're into. Yeah. And it's just, and like the, the, the person standing at the gate that says press one. 
you know what I mean, for whatever. I don't even remember what it was, but they're like, where is the button on the person? And that's him. Right. And that just immediately in a like a almost scary way reminded me of my three year old who's like growing up with the Internet and YouTube, because every now and then when she's telling me a story, she'll just stop and say, you know, please subscribe or press the like button, because like that's just so ingrained in her her world you know, like watching. when you finish a story you try to get those likes right. and subscribe. like she told and by me. the way you can find the examination podcast anywhere <laughs> where you listen to podcasts like comment subscribe and, and leave a review but yeah like that kind of stuff it's like that is exactly what the world is and you know what i mean that that's subscribe that's what it's all about press one for to leave you know your review and so it's just it's cool to see mojo verse adapt like that to what i think is a pretty this is going to sound extremely old but like a, a hip book in a way and so i really enjoyed it thank you so that brings us to our final issue this week which is x-men number 11 and in x-men number 11 we get two stories the first story the shorter one of the two involves rock slide and a few uh other mutants of the younger age not not necessarily the children but uh more like the young adult x-men that are on the island of krakoa and they interact with the guests that we've met in in probably the second issue of x-men where it's apocalypse's descendant one of the four horsemen's children and he's sitting there creepily and they comment on it and they ask him what he's doing he says he's playing a game with a piece in front of him and when rock slide touches it and agrees to play mystically it the piece transforms in the rock slide and we're left with a question of, of what's happening there until next issue. Now, the main story, what takes up most of this issue and the Empire tie-in, where it gets that uh, part of the story, is the Kota tie, I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right, uh, break through the moon and start attacking Earth. Your core X-Men, your big heroes, your magic, your Cyclops, all the Gorgon, all the generals, they go and fight them on the moon, but some slip through. And when the island is defended, sometimes the people that are used to being leaders got to put on their field pants. And Magneto does that in style. As recounted by Exodus to the young mutants of the island, he tells the legend of Magneto how powerful he is. And Magneto, with some help from Sage, the, uh, what do you call him? The, the Ch- Emma Frost, uh, I forget what they're called. The, um, yeah, the cuckoos. Uh, the, the cuckoos with them. But with the cuckoos, they uh, communicate. So Sage, Iceman, and Magma work together to create a super gigantic uh, stockpile of metal for Magneto to work with. He takes out their whole army in one move, except for their leader, who, in a short exchange, gets crushed by a satellite. Big power move from Magneto. uh, Shows why he is the mutant to be reckoned with. Why he keeps being in the movies. Why Marvel can't get away from this guy. Because, damn it, when Magneto is doing Magneto, it is awesome. What do you guys think of X-Men number 11? Hell yeah. You know what I mean? Like, that's that's what I'm saying. It was it was a great action, um, I want to say episode, but a great action issue. I mean, it was really cool. I liked Exodus still building the, you know, myth of Magneto. and The, the acolyte's still there, you know, yeah, still inside of him. A hero. So, and the use of his powers in conjunction with magma, things like that, to, to protecting the island, um, it, it still always makes me go, you know, I always have to scratch my head and say, 
why does anyone ever bother attacking Krakoa or even thinking they've got a chance? Like that. Well, to be fair, these aliens didn't know what they're getting into. That is also true. That is true. But I, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. Um, I'm not as invested in it as the other ones just because I don't. I haven't enjoyed this Empire stuff as much, but I am excited to see it start going towards Ten of Swords. So. I, I would agree, but I think this issue works. This might be the most X-Men story we've had in a long time. Like, this felt like I was reading an X-Men issue. This should have been the Empire X-Men storyline. That is true. Like, why do I... You know, I, I had these criticisms before, but why do I care about a storyline that's not going to affect anything far away from Krakoa when you could have brought me the X-Men directly under attack in their home by an alien force. And if you're, if it builds up to that, you know, building up to Magneto pulling off, you know, the ultimate Alliance style combo with the other X-Men on the Island that he's been planning. And like how, I don't know, like I still think the memo was a bit much, but it was at least kind of interesting and that they, they, you know, have this plan about how to combine powers for ultimate defense of the island. And just like, oh, erupt a volcano, freeze it down, and let Magneto just rain, you know, a metal storm on people. Hey, how- I hate to tell Wolverine, but he's the best at what he does. Oh, yeah. How cool is that? I mean, just on that epic scale, you know what I mean? Just a full island defense. Yeah, just bring up the raw you know, resources of the earth, freeze it down and let me do my work. And it, and the line is even reminiscent of a previous Xavier one that I, I, I remember. I think it was from, uh, I think it was an uncanny X-Men run. I have to go back and look, but there's one where somebody's like, like they think they've caught Magneto and they're like, there's no metal here, old man. What are you going to do? And he's like, oh, whatever should I do? And he just strips down his helmet into like these daggers sense of flying you know what i mean it's like he's never without just an ultimate badass moment and it just yeah why wasn't empire this i'm just mad yeah and then that final page splash art of lionel you drawing all the x-men and their glory around magneto when the team comes back together like the general return so good um so i i think three pretty solid issues like i said I, i i nitpick um, Hellions, but I'm pretty happy with all three issues this week. Yeah. Uh, agreed, boys? Quentin, you had to be happy. There was more Ileana. Yeah, man. More yeah, she's Ileana. And playing a, a strong role. Watch be like, all right, old man. And I also like that, like, Magneto doesn't talk shit to her. Like, she's, like, earned respect. Right. She's an X-Men through and through. And I think that's important to look at, like, because they use the some of the new X-Men as in a lot of ways, set pieces like Rock, Rock Slide, Anole, and um, Loa were used in this one as like, okay, they went and they found the summoner because the kids are exploring the jungle. But that's not what magic is. You know what I mean? She yeah. is maybe not like the, the tier one t- style team, but she's pushing it. You know what I mean? She, she was on Extinction Team. She is an X-Men through and through, not one of the kids. Yeah. Well, um... Solid issues. I love reading this issue. I'm glad you brought that up. Uh, more magic, man. 
we'll see new mutants. We'll see if I still love her then. And Tabby um, Sports. I mean, like, she's going to play a huge role. She has to. She's even played a big role in the, the roles that don't matter, like the Empire X-Men. Right. Like, and that's this issue was really like the tie, the end of Empire and, you know, that beginning sort of nugget getting us towards what's obviously going to be Ten of Swords. And I, it's I I think it could be and I'm hoping it is the magic show. Yeah. All right. So with that, talking talking about pointless challenges, let's go to the danger room and play Marvel 20 questions. Our contestants have 20 yes or no questions to try and figure out the person, place, thing, or idea from the Marvel Universe. And the questioning begins now with Gilson. Uh, is it a character? Yes. Is it an X-Men? No. Do I be a smartass and ask if it's undead? <laughs> Um, uh, you said not an X-Men. Is it a mutant? Or are they a um, mutant? No. Is this character villainous in nature? Yes. Have they been featured in any of the new comics? The, not this week's, but since Hawks Box has begun. No. Or the is this character primarily villainous towards the X-Men. Yes. Is this character no... Is this character a human? No. Hmm. Is this character robotic in nature? Yes. Is this character large? Larger than normal people? Not that I know of. No. No, they are not. Okay. Hmm. All right. So robotic, I think, so far is our best. Roughly human-sized. Roughly. Would this person be considered cyborg, as in part robot, part something else? Yes. Hmm. 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 Cyborgs fight the X-Men. Hmm. Um, does this character have a specific, has this character been linked to Weapon X? No. Okay. Does this character share a first name with our president? No. It's going for Donald Pierce. Well, the answer would be no, apparently. Right, you know, let's check it out. Um. Hmm. Has been enemy of the X Men, correct? Dane, we established that. Correct. Primarily an X Men villain. Primarily an X Men villain. Cyborg. Oh, I have a question. Has not no been. Point. Yeah. Uh, is this character a resident of the Mojo verse? Yes. Oh. Ask if this character has multiple arms. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Does this character have multiple arms? Yes. Lock okay. in spiral. Spiral. Put my you fucking out. idiots! Every Ravager, you have multiple arms. What? You have multiple arms. Oh, I have multiple arms. arms. Yeah. Was it Spiral though? <laughs> yes. <laughs> I have multiple arms. Yeah. 
Oh, 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 okay. That's a good point. <laughs> I see where we're going here. Could have been any Ravager. <laughs> I, I see where we're at now. I do have yes, it was Spiral. Hasn't been featured. There was a logo of her in this week's issue. Yeah. Um, so we did talk about the Mojo. There was a Spiral Enhancement Store. Yeah. <laughs> you have multiple arms. That's true. I, mean, I, forgot, I forget Spiral is a cyborg. Every time. Well, and she actually used to be a human, but when she went to the Mojoverse, she mm-hmm. turned into a mutate. So it was one of those things where I was like, do I call her a human? I, I knew I knew you were thinking mutate when you even pause on mutant. When you're like, uh... That's a respectable no. answer. Like, yeah. yeah. That's a respectable answer. Yeah, Spiral. I... Spiral. Um, let's see, what do I know about Spiral? She is one it's of the... X-Force. And one of the selectable characters in the Children of the Atom, the Atom. fighting game yes. that I played uh-huh. a lot at my local Fuddruckers. Or Pocket Change in the mall when it was there. <laughs> I took a notebook with me. That was my favorite place to eat when I was young. because it, Probably because they had the game. I didn't care about the food. And I took this little notebook with me to keep track of all the special moves that I learned. This was like before you could just look this all up on the internet. Or just and realize I, down to forward punch, down to back punch or I, kick. I was a down and corner punch or kick is mostly every Capcom move ever. Quarter circle forward, quarter circle back, half yeah. circle forward. Yeah. 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 So I remember, God, I feel like there's a lot of stories that involve the X-Men and me crying as a child. But I remember <laughs> we were going we were going to go to Fuddruckers and I couldn't find the notebook. And I, I just refused to leave without it because what was the point of going? if I couldn't record the moves or build on the knowledge I had already acquired. And so I cried. And so still went to Fuddruckers and still ate an awesome burger. And, and still play the game, just but not, with none of my previous knowledge. So kind of a wasted opportunity. But This is how I know your parents are weak. Mine would have punished me and refused to let me play the game. They would have made me look at it. No, I cried. His, dad, his dad would have just looked at him with this look of just – disappointment that i can picture right now in fairness it's probably more punishing to make me play it without my book of knowledge i'm basically starting from scratch i'm i'm a newly resurrected mutant i know nothing xavier hasn't even put my knowledge back in my head yet oh you're just a husk just a husk just a button mashing husk hey do you you think your dad looked at you like we look at fallen angels (laughs) (laughs) i hope not did you guys have one? I, I, I had a big issue with. I think it was the X Men issue. Why was Egg fighting anybody? I know. Well, that yeah, that seems risky. Yeah, what do you mean, like, why was he fighting? Uh, there's a there's a scene in there like a group fighting. Egg is like giving the beat down on something. And I'm like, that's dangerous because once you lose him, what do you do? Any of those five? It's like put them in a box somewhere. They don't get to fight nobody. I don't. I mean. I don't know. There's a part of me that thinks they have to have some kind of a contingency, right? Like there's already an wow. egg egg husk just like sitting around waiting for this. Come on. You're telling me you think Xavier has seven backups of everybody's mental files, but they don't have some contingency. I mean, I'm sure well, they why even get to the backups. Wait a minute. Don't those things spoil? I, the egg. I, oh, come on. Like we're talking about comic books. They can't find some way. I mean, they have people who manipulate time. I'm sure. I'm sure this will come up. There's a story for everything, but I do think that a long con has to be that one of five. Yeah, one of the five goes down. You're absolutely right. Like that has to be a story, and you just adjust your rules when you get to it to make it. 
because that's the point. They've kind of not explored everything almost intentionally, so you can adjust the rules when you need to. Uh, actually, oh yeah, his name's Egg. What, it used to be Gold Balls. Yeah, gold Balls. Gold Balls, man. Gold Balls. All right, well, that's about all the Gold Balls we have for today. That's the way to sign off right there. Gold <laughs> Balls. We'll see you next time, unless Egg died in the last issue and the whole Krakoa period of the X-Men comes to an end. It's so. over. Bye, Hickman. <laughs> all right, later, guys. Later. See ya. Hi, and thanks for listening to the Examination Podcast. If you enjoyed the podcast, write us a five-star Omega-level review that would make us mutant and proud. We would really appreciate it. Me and the guys love Talking Nerd, and we want you to be a part of the conversation as well. If you have any topics you want to discuss, questions to ask, or suggestions for the Marvel 20 Questions Danger Room segment, you can always get connected with us. Email us at q.examination at gmail.com. Remember, examination is E-X-A-M-E-N-A-T-I-O-N. You can also follow us on our Twitter handle, at examination, spelled the same way. Or visit our website, examination.blogspot.com. Thanks again for listening. We love having you be a part of our community, and we can't wait to hear from you. See you next week.